And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. It's Civilized Barking. It's 10 days from the draft. I'm Zach Jackson. Just me for now, but don't go away. Uh, Dane Brugler, our resident draft guru, analyst, knower of stuff, writer of the Beast Draft Guide, um, is going to come on and talk Browns and draft. He knows these prospects inside and out. We're going to dig into corners, to pass rushers, to potential options, all of that. That's what's really on the mind. Um, leading with a bit of the news. It's not really news of the day. I guess it goes back four or even five days now as we start this next to last week before the draft. But the Browns were really quiet. You know, they were active um, in free agency, getting John Johnson, bringing Higgins back, bringing Malcolm Smith back, getting Troy Hill. You know all about that. Um, and then last week they signed you to Avion Clowney, which, which I'm all for. And then they cut Sheldon Richardson, which I'm not all for. Um, I understand. And tough decisions have to be made. Sheldon Richardson made a lot of money. He's 30 years old. And as I mentioned last week, um, guys, if you trust Andrew Barry, and I think you should, and I do, um, then, then there will be a plan. And there was an understanding that we're going to have to do this to sign Denzel Ward. Um, to sign Nick Chubb, which I think is going to happen. There's Baker Mayfield. Um, there's Wyatt Teller. There's just having money to do what you want to do. I mean, the Browns had $10 million of cap space, right? Um, they create more. If they don't use it, it rolls over. Uh, extensions are probably coming in June and July, but they don't have to come at any certain time. So, again, um, no, they were going to draft a defensive tackle already, guys. Um, they'll have some options with later waves of free agency. You know, maybe some team beats them to the top two defensive tackles in this draft, and then they release a veteran. The Browns are certainly um, an attractive destination. You know, the Clowney signing proved that. So I don't like the Richardson thing. I think he was a really good player, and I don't think they're good enough to get rid of good players. But I'm going to say right now, just like with the Tack McKinley signing, um, you know, just like with – letting the guys go that they let go, you know, we'll see. Um, if this team plays offense like it's capable of, in a lot of ways the defense will take care of itself. Just with organic growth from the defense in the second year and a healthy Miles Garrett and a healthy Denzel Ward, then I think, you know, a lot of good things can happen. So we'll see. Um, we're focused on the draft, which, as you know, is in Cleveland. The Browns are going defense. I'd be stunned if they went offense before the third round at all. Um, I don't think they're out of the pass rusher business, guys. I think most of these pass rushers are developmental redshirt types anyway. You know, we know the Browns are into athletic guys, young guys they can develop. Um, the Richardson release is a reminder that even when you get good, the draft matters because all of a sudden Jordan Elliott is from afterthought into the spotlight. But I think they can get get a Jason Owe, right, a Greg Rousseau, um, 
you know, guys that are young, guys that have a lot to prove and a lot of growing to do, but they can start as the fourth defensive end. They can play and pass rush downs. They can get tutored by Miles Garrett, by Jadavion Clowney, right, and, and come along and help. Um, I just think premium positions, cornerback and pass rusher are so important. I will be stunned if the Browns don't go cornerback or pass rusher at one of those spots. Now, Jason away from Penn State, zero sacks, and we're going to ask Dan Brewer about him. I mean – Again, we, we trust Andrew Barry, right? Well, can he really go downstairs or, or get on that Zoom call and explain how he took a pass rusher who didn't have a sack in his last college season? I don't know, and, and that's another part of this, guys, that's fascinating. Um, it was a weird season. A lot of top players opted out of the season. A lot of guys played seven games or four games, and if you your team played eight or ten or twelve, which a number of them did, if you had injuries, right, or you missed time, that's even less evaluation time. Scouts were only in person for very limited appeal or very limited amount of time, I guess. So um, we'll see what happens. It, it's still fascinating. It's still important. I do think the Browns have and will exercise in the right opportunity options to trade down. They have extra picks in the third and fourth round. I think they'll spin one ahead to next year, but I don't think they'll be afraid to use one to move up if they need to in round one or round two. Um, I think it was two drafts ago. The Colts were at 26, ended up going down to the sec- going down 20 spots to the second round and getting an extra second round pick. I don't think that's out, out of the realm of possibility anyway because you're not looking for an immediate starter. Now, depending on what happens with Greedy Williams, maybe at cornerback you're looking for an immediate day one listed starter. But the truth is you need 15 or 16 starters in defense. You need to be better, deeper, more talented, younger at those premium spots, as I've mentioned, about building a stable of pass rushers, building a stable of corners. And the Browns just aren't there yet. Um, Clowney's intriguing and exciting as hell. We did the podcast on him. He can move inside. He can play standing up. Um, he didn't have any sacks last year in his eight games, but he can rush the passer. He can bash people. He can command double teams, and he can eat if they double team Miles Garrett. Will he stay healthy? None of us know. You know, Tack McKinley as your third rusher um, and as a guy they've tracked and they've liked, you get him healthy and you get him in the right spot, and this guy can give you six, eight, ten sacks, right? This guy can disrupt quarterbacks and keep those other guys fresh. You know, or he could – just be a guy um, and not be healthy or not be effective, and, and we'll see. So you guys have heard me say it. I, I, I have major questions, major, major questions and concerns about this defense. I mean, the numbers were awful, and that was with playing two games in a tornado, playing against Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Mason Rudolph. But that but it's an offensive league. Should be better. You still have Miles Garrett. You still have Denzel Ward. Those are good building blocks. The Browns go into this draft 26-59 and seven picks after that looking to add speed, youth, athleticism, defensive depth. Let's dive into all of those things or at least most all of them with our draft guru. Give me one second. We're going to dial up the great Dane Brugler. And as promised, we're joined by one of the busiest men in America. Uh, probably the man who writes more words about the draft than anyone else. He spends these two weeks talking about the draft as much as anyone else. So he was the priority guest. Enough of me, which you guys say every episode, and on to Dane Brugler. Dane, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Zach. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's a weird draft for the Browns. 
you know, it's in Cleveland, but there's a pandemic. <laughs> it's in Cleveland, but the Browns picked 26th past my bedtime, frankly. Um, <laughs> I, I think, Dane, it's probably going to be defense with the first two picks. You know, strange things happen, and I guess at right. 26, you, you don't really control what happens in front of you to a large extent. But, um, you know, if I know you've mocked Greg Newsom uh, to, to the Browns, which I have done also in following your lead to a large extent. But, you know, anything out of the ordinary you see happening as far as the Browns and their first round pick? Well, I think, I mean, you set it up well because we just don't know how those first 25 picks are going to play out. It's it's obviously, uh, you know, this is uncharted waters for, for a lot of Browns fans, uh, you know, having to wait until 26 to pick, which is awesome. I love it for the fan base. Uh, that meant, you know, they had a pretty good season. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a very offensive, top-heavy draft. You know, we, we might not see – we might not see a defensive player drafted top 10, which is – never had before uh you know going just in the super bowl era uh the 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 latest a defensive player was drafted was 99 that was champ bailey to washington uh, at seven overall so uh this is just a very offensive heavy class in the in the top 10 and then what's going to happen in the teens is it going to be a revert to defense where we're going to see that run on defenders with you know the corners like Sertan and horn and newsome uh you know the linebackers david collins parsons wusu koromoa um, you know, offensive tackles are going to mi- be mixed in there as well. So trying to predict what the first 25 picks are going to be is really tough. And so, you know, the Browns, what they're doing right now with their meetings, they've got probably a wish list of five to seven guys. Um, and they, they feel good that at least one of those guys will be there. And I'm sure that most of those names, if not all, are on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, you never know. I mean, C.D. Lamb wasn't supposed to get out of the top 12 last year, and the Cowboys got him at 17. Could right. there be, you know, something similar happen this year? Uh, you, you just don't rule it out. Um, but I would say it's probably – like the most likely scenarios for the Browns probably is one defense, two trade back, three offense. That would just be my guess based off of how this draft should play out, at least how we think it will. And then just looking at this team, the needs, kind of what they value – um, I, I, I'm with you on Greg Newsom. I think that's, and, and I've said this before, but I, I think he's almost like this year's Jedrick Wills uh, for the Browns. And what I'm obviously two very different positions and players, but what I mean by that is, you know, leading up until last year's draft, I mean, I was a big Jedrick Wills guy. He was my top tackle last year. I kept kind of pounding him at number 10 for the Browns saying how that's just the perfect scenario and it ended up happening. And to the, the delight of Browns fans, it worked out great with him stepping in on left tackle and you know, helping to stabilize a unit that was a big issue the year prior. So with Newsom, I think he could be that guy on the defensive side of the ball for the Browns, a guy that, you know, we just don't know with, you know, with Greedy Williams and, you know, just the cornerback depth chart is in flux, uh, you know, Denzel Ward. And when he's out there, he's uh, a, a quality player, but, Greg Newsom could potentially be that stabilizing piece to the secondary that this team has been missing. So uh, does he last that far? I don't know. I think there's a good chance he could get snatched up in the first 25 picks. He plays a premium position and he's a really good player. I mean, really the only two knocks against him when you boil it down is uh, 25 passes defended, but only one pick zero forced fumbles. You want to see him, turn some of those plays into turnovers. Uh, and then he missed at least three games each of his three years at Northwestern 
nothing too serious, nothing, you know, no ACL, no, uh, you know, Caleb Farley's got two back procedures and an ACL and we're trying to figure out where he's going to go uh, likely in the first round. I'm not sure where knew some stuff. It was a groin. It was soft tissue. It was, you know, more nagging injuries than anything. So, but still, I mean, cornerback is a physical position. We know that from Denzel Ward, you know, the time that he's missed, uh, you know, just here and there for, for these minor injuries. So, could that scare, uh, you know, the Browns uh, from Greg Newsom? I, it, it's possible. So, uh, but I still think at 26, you're getting a really good player. And at that, at that point in the draft, I'm not passing on him. So I think he could be kind of this year's Jedrick Wills in that sense. One more thing on Newsom, Dane. I, you know, I think our local listeners remember him certainly from the Big Ten championship game where he mm-hmm. was just awesome. Um, but, I mean, he was a known commodity before that, right? He's, he's the first three and done. Northwestern player in the Fitz era, but like, this is the kind of talent that you and others have been aware of him for a long time, right? Yeah, um, I think it was. I, don't know, I came out with my top ten at each position uh, early December. It was like it was right. It was like two weeks before that game, and he was he was in there somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. As one of the top ten draft eligible corners, uh, he he was just starting to pick up steam. Uh, as okay, this guy's really good. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, we knew he was talented. You know, he's he's six foot, one hundred ninety two pounds, runs in the four threes. Um, you know, the he led uh, the team in passes defended as a sophomore, led the Big Ten in passes defended as a junior. Um, so yeah, he had really done enough to put himself on the map. And at that point, it's just like okay, well, just how high is this guy going to go? Um, and with him, it's interesting because, you know, he was so good in that big 10 championship game, but then he, he missed the second half because of the injury stuff. So, you know, it, we, we keep coming back to that and that's, that's something that's not in, uh, insignificant. So it's something that's part of, uh, sure. the debate when you're talking about just where he fits on the board and, you know, where he fits when you're trying to compare him to maybe some of these pass rushers or, uh, you know, some of these other corners. So it's, it's interesting. Sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, the release of Sheldon Richardson 
in my mind, Dana, it only takes the chances that the Browns draft Christian Barmore from, say, 10% to 15%. But hmm. in case they do, and because it certainly you know pushes that discussion up a little bit, why don't you tell everybody you know about Christian Barmore um, and why or why why not he he might still be there uh, if 26. There's a little bit of a boomer bust element with with Barmore. Uh, yeah, there's so much to like about just the raw physical tools. Six four, 310 pounds, uh, really a long player. And this is just a guy that he he doesn't stay blocked. Um, you know, he is a guy that is, it really he finds ways to detach and make plays in the backfield and. He's only a redshirt sophomore, so still a young player. He's 21 years old, um, and he as he redshirted his first year, his second year his freshman all SEC, and then this past year, his sophomore year, uh, you know he was my top defensive tackle in the summer. So we were banking on these traits back in the summer, and the first part of the year started a little slow. You, you weren't sure what to just what to make of it. But over the second half of the season, he lit it up. I mean, he, he really turned it on uh, over the last six games, seven tackles for loss, six sacks, two forced fumbles. Uh, Ohio State had trouble with him. Notre Dame and Ohio State had trouble with him in the two playoff games. So there's a lot to like about just the raw physical traits. But, you know, at some point you just you wish you had more consistency. Um, you know, you wish you had a, a guy that, you know, just knew a little bit more what he was doing out there. And it wasn't just him thriving on the natural skill um because he is explosive uh you know he does have these these you know meat hooks for hands where he can swipe and create his own pass rush lanes and uh, i mean there's so much to like about what he can be but there's a little projection involved with him so um I, I i would be surprised really um if he's there at that point but you know i uh, I know as, you know, teams dig and dig and dig with these guys, you know, it, each team's going to look at things differently. So um, I, I would be surprised, especially because this is a weak defensive tackle class. If you're going to rank all every position, defensive tackles probably last uh, right. just in terms of the overall depth uh, from start to finish. Um, it's just not a great group this year because of that. We could see him get pushed up even a little bit more. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's off the board uh, somewhere in those first 25 picks. Right. Okay. So the Browns go pass rusher or corner with their first pick and then the other at the second pick. So mm -hmm. 89 and 91, um, if they want a defensive tackle, give us a name. At that point, I, I, and I think that's, it'll be interesting where that third defensive tackle is drafted because Christian Barmore is going to be likely a top 30 pick somewhere. Levi owns from Washington. He's likely going to be a top 40 pick top 50 pick somewhere. And then there's, I think, a little bit of a drop-off before we see that maybe that third defensive tackle drafted. Um, could it be one of the two USC defense tackles? Uh, Milton Williams has been a riser throughout the process out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, Davion Nixon from Iowa had a fantastic year uh, in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, he's, he's not beloved by everybody. So I, I think that it just depends on where, where that third defensive tackle is drafted and where maybe that run on defensive tackle starts in that third round. So it'll be interesting just who's on the board, who's left for them. In my mock, I gave them uh, a Lynn McNeil um, out of NC State, who I, I think checks a lot of boxes for what this team, you know, could be looking at uh, when you just factor in what they're, you know, they're young players. Okay. Uh, McNeil is going to be 20 years old on draft weekend. Uh, you know, guys that, you know, have the freakish abilities, high testing numbers, 
uh, at 6'2", 317 pounds, he ran a sub five uh, 40 yard dash. Uh, the rest of his numbers are really, really good. He's a, a linebacker in high school and he made the conversion to defensive line nose tackle at NC State. Um, and, you know, he's he could be more than just a nose tackle. He, he's not just a, a block eater. He, he could you can interchange uh, him a little bit, line him up over the B gap. And uh, you, you don't have to necessarily just, OK, first down, second down, get him out of there. He can. You could be a little creative with him, and I think he has yet to play his best football. So I think McNeil would uh, check a lot of boxes. Uh, you know, there, Tommy Togiai at Ohio State. There's a lot of split opinion about just is he a third rounder, is he a fourth rounder, and I think it just comes down to your opinion about how good of a pass rusher can he be. Uh, we know he's stout versus the run. Uh, you know, he's he's 296, but you watch him play, and you swear he's 330 with the way he is uh, stopping the run is. His ability to stack the point of attack, uh, find the football, and make plays is really impressive. But you want to see him make more plays in the backfield, uh, especially versus the pass and affect what the quarterback is doing. He just didn't do that a ton at Ohio State. Um, but another young player who is still kind of getting better and better. So maybe Togi is in that mix. Like I said, there's split opinion about where he should go. So I think that, you know, maybe if like an owns Enrique were to fall uh, to the Browns pick in the second round, maybe they consider defensive tackle there. But I, I agree with you. I think most likely the, the highest percentage of what's going to happen, probably corner, pass rusher in whichever order. And then with one of those two, third round picks, defensive tackle uh, with some of those names we mentioned. Right. Okay. So uh, we know the draft really starts at three, right? After the first two right. quarterbacks go. And as you mentioned, it, it could be a record for um, defensive players not going in the top 10, but, but where does the run on rusher start? Is it 10? Is it 12? Is it after that? And you know, how many go before the Browns come on the clock at 26? Cause I think Dean, when you look at Clowney, when you look at Tack McKinley and you're realistic about what they are, I still think the Browns very much could be in the first round business of adding another pass rusher. Absolutely. I, I, I don't, yeah, you, there's no way you're ruling out pass rush from the first round, uh, especially when you look at the, the contracts and the length of the deals and the fact that the pass rushers in this class are a lot of them are a year away or, you know, you, you're going to sprinkle them in on some packages, but in terms of being uh, every down starters, you know, they might be a year away. And so, it'll be interesting where that first pass rusher goes. You know, we've been spoiled with, you know, the Miles Garrett's and the Bosa's and Chase Young's. And this year we most likely won't have a pass rusher in the top 10, but the, the pass rush talk, the conversation will start to heat up at 11 with the giants, the Eagles at 12, uh, the Vikings at 14. I think one of those three spots is very possible for uh, that first pass rusher off the board, whether that's Quiddy pay out of Michigan, Aziz Azure, Larry, Georgia, uh, Jalen Phillips, Miami, just depends on, on his off-field stuff. Um, and, and then that'll stretch into, uh, you know, you look at 20 with the Bears, uh, the, the Colts at 21, the Titans at 22 are dying for pass rush help. The Jets at 23, they could go offensive line, pass rusher corner, any of those three positions um, uh, after taking Zach Wilson at two. So uh, there's there's a lot of landmines there for for the Browns right. where some of these, you know, they could be looking at the second pass rusher at 26. They could be looking at the fifth. It, it's really hard to to guess just because these pass rushers are so, they're so talented, yet they're so flawed, you know, in their own unique ways. You know, with Quiddy Pay, uh, I wish we could have just seen him pin his ears back and go because he is a terrific athlete, but they just they didn't allow him to do that. And he didn't have a ton of production in terms of sack production. 
Um, you know, speaking of lack of sack production, Jason Oway, the freakiest of the freaks with zero sacks, and that's going to bother some, some teams, but he's phenomenal. I mean, uh, in terms of just the athletic tools and you throw on the Indiana tape and he's consistently in the backfield affecting what the quarterback is doing. And at the end of the day, that's what, that's what you need to measure uh, pass rushers on, not just sacks. It's okay. Are you disrupting what the offense is trying to do in the pocket? And I think Oway consistently did that. Uh, at the college level, plus uh, you feel good. He has yet to play his best football. So uh, Owe is going to be really interesting where he plays, where he uh, ends up. Jalen Phillips, like I mentioned, uh, it's, I think if he were, you know, squeaky clean off the field, we're talking about uh, probably top 10, top 12, but because the medicals, uh, you know, UCLA said, Hey, we can't clear you. You have to retire three diagnosed concussions. uh, You know, there might've been more, who knows? Um, and that was, you know, there was other injuries as well, a wrist, a foot, um, goes to Miami though. And he plays, uh, you know, plays well, he, he skipped the bowl game, but he played in every other game and played at a high level. And you, you watch Phillips, you get flashbacks of the Bosa's just because Phillips knows what he's doing. I mean, there's a rush plan there with the way he's using his hands, uh, with the way he's detaching from blocks, power, quickness, uh, he can play, uh, versus the run. So with Phillips, there, there's a lot to like there, but it's going to come down to what do the doctors say, the trainers, uh, you know, things like that. So pass rusher will be really interesting. I think, uh, you know, it's absolutely in play at 26, but obviously it'll depend which ones are available, uh, for, for the brother. And Aziz Audulari, he's my favorite of the group. Uh, it doesn't really look like much. He's 6'2", 250, but he has 34 and a half inch arms. So he has the length of a 6'5 player, but he has the benefit of being only 6'2", where he can use that natural leverage. So it's almost the ideal body type uh, for a pass rusher when you think about it that way. So I, I think he, you know, as a redshirt sophomore last year, just 20 years old, led the SEC in sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles. And, there, you know, his, uh, his get off is great, his athleticism, but he's not a one trick pony. He has instincts versus the run. He could set a physical edge. Um, and he's still diversifying his approach just in terms of how he's, he tries to break down the rhythm of blockers. But uh, Audrey Larry is the guy that I think has you love that you, you like the player he is now and you love the player he could turn into. So it's a really interesting pass rush group this year. We just did five minutes on the rush group and you didn't mention Rousseau, Greg, uh, or Dane. So um, I know you have a second round grade on him. Is it just the fact that it was one year and then he sat out or is there more there that concerns you? Well, you know, Rousseau is one of those guys, uh, the opposite of, you know, uh, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, those opt-outs, we didn't need to see them take another snap. We know who they are. Right. Rousseau is a little bit the opposite because he he was a wide receiver, safety most of his life, moves to the defensive line his senior year in high school. Uh, he just outgrew those other positions. Missed his first year at Miami. He got hurt. And then that second year, uh, 2019, blew up and he finished second in the nation and sacks behind chase young. And, but you know, a lot of his production came when he reduced inside uh, you know, using that length to take advantage of uh, you know, some shorter arm linemen and uh, that, that first step quickness, which is, is great. I mean, that's, that, that'll translate, but if you're drafting a pass rusher early, you want him to be able to show he can win consistently off the edge and that's just, you know, Rousseau is very up and down in that area because he's, he's not the most bendy guy. Um, you know, his, his a pass rush plan isn't, isn't always there. Uh, but you, you do like the length, uh, you know, he's 34 and a half inch arms for a guy that's six, six and five eighths, almost six, seven. You like that huge wingspan. Um, 
you know, great 10 yard uh, split. So for a guy that size, so he has that get off, but there's some things missing from uh, his evaluation. He, he could go first round. He could go, uh, you know, second round. I wouldn't be surprised at either. Um, and it's kind of similar with uh, Joe Tryon from Washington. I think he's another guy that the, the Browns might be interested in. You know, he looks like an action figure, just how he's built six, right. five, two sixty. Um, you know, with the, the muscle definition that you want. And uh, he tested outstanding. Reminds me a lot of um, uh, Marcus Davenport when he was coming out of UTSA a couple of years ago and the Saints traded up in the first round to get him. A lot of ability, um, a, a guy that opted out this past year. So there's a year of development that you're missing. But if you're going to bank on the traits, I, I would I would, uh, I would, rather bank on uh, or bet on Joe Tryon uh, over Rousseau just because I think Tryon has a He's a little more special when it comes to just the, the raw traits and what he can turn into. So, like I said, fascinating group of pass rushers that, uh, you know, the, you know, which one of these guys are going to pan out. A lot of it's going to depend on where they land, but it'll be interesting on draft day. So I think this year, Dane, is going to be the exception to the rules. We get you out of here. I think for the next for the foreseeable future, um, these Ohio State guys are going to be full throughout the first round. It's just a freak factory down there. This year it's fields right. and then the guys are later. But you're an Ohio guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming most of our listeners are Ohio-based. So whether it's Buckeyes, whether it's Ohio natives, Matt guys, um, you know, who do you like from all your extensive research uh, of a local guy that, that you expect, or, or two or three even, uh, that you expect to get drafted and or maybe even not get drafted but still have an NFL career? Well, I mean, at the Ohio State guys, like you mentioned, you know, there's Fields. He's going to go early, and then there's uh, going to be a drop off. Where's who's that next Ohio State uh, prospect going to come off the board? It's probably going to be one of those linebackers, right? It's going to be you know Baron Browning, Pete Werner. Um, it'll be interesting to see which one. Werner is more of your instinctive, uh, you know, can stay on the field in any situation, four down player where Baron Browning, the ball awareness isn't quite as high, but the physical traits are awesome. The size, the length, um, just the the range and athleticism. He can drop and cover tight ends. You can put his hand on the ground, let him rush as a designated pass rusher. So, I mean, these Ohio State linebackers are really, really intriguing uh, because, you know, none of them are first-round guys, but, you know, we could see four of them drafted, you know, with Justin Hilliard and then Tough Borland. Tough Borland, uh, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to, I don't, at least I don't, project him this way to compete for defensive snaps, but he could be a Tyler Matakiewicz, you know, a guy that is a seventh round pick and comes in and, you know, lives on special teams and earns an NFL paycheck the next seven years doing that. Uh, Justin Hilliard, uh, obviously the medicals would be a big part of that. So what, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, where, where does he end up? And then can he stay on the field? If he does, I think he showed enough in flashes this past year that talent's not the question with him. It's just, you know, dependability and can he stay on the field? So uh, there's a lot to like about each one of those four Ohio state linebackers uh, really, really intriguing. And yeah, I, one thing's for sure. Uh, you know, Ohio state can be frustrating because you throw on their tape and it's okay. I'm watching this guy. And then, Oh wait, who's this guy? Oh wait, no. Who's this number 12. I mean, it just, you're, you're, you're trying to focus on one guy, but then your eye keeps drawing to someone else because there's just so many dudes on that roster and right. it's, it, it just seems like it's heating up from here. Right. Um, you know, what about the Matt guys or, or uh, any off the radar guys? I mean, you know, there's just so much good football here. You have an Adam Shaheen a few years ago, right? right. Uh, obviously a long list of Matt guys, anybody else that, that really jumps out for you? Well, I, I think when you look at Mac, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, um, you know, five, 990 pounds, uh, legit four, three athlete, big track guy. 
um, in, uh, in high school and it shows on the field. Um, but he's not a track guy that playing football. He, he can pluck the football, uh, go up and get it. Um, he can get open. So he's in that mix, uh, on day two, where it's just a crowded group of receivers, you know, with guys like Rondale Moore and Amari Rogers, Amara St. Brown, those guys, um, he's somewhere in there. He's a little older than you want for a, uh, for a rookie. Uh, you know, he's already 24 years old. But I think just the natural ability, you feel like he's going to come in and uh, make a pretty quick uh, uh, impact for you. Um, you know, Buffalo's got a few guys, uh, Malcolm Coons, the pass rusher, um, you know, I, the Owasika, the, the lineman's got a shot. Um, you know, they've uh, Tiffin's got a running back this year and Jaquan Hardy, uh, who's, you know, probably not going to be drafted, but I think it's going to be one of those. You know, his phone's going to be blowing up after the draft where and he's going to have and it might work out better. He's going to have his choice of, sure. you know, 10 teams of where he wants to go. He's a Westlake native. So um, he, he was super productive, 5'8", 210, uh, good athlete, uh, can string moves together. So th there's a lot to like about Hardy and uh, possibly uh, once you get to a, into a camp, making it really tough for a team to cut him. Sure, sure. All right, guys, the info is great. It's all online on The Beast, The Draft Guide. Um, it's it's everywhere on your airwaves, your podcasts the next two weeks. We are really grateful to have had Dane Brugler as we continue the countdown to the draft. So I don't know if this is our final pre-draft pod or not. Um, it kind of depends, as I mentioned earlier, on the circumstances. Are the Browns going to be quiet now that last week they went from quiet to not? I don't know. But listen, we appreciate you reading, you listening, you following all the way. We appreciate Dane for joining us. And sooner than later, we'll talk to you on another Civilized Barking Podcast.